Children are welcome this morning to go with Mr. Matt and little ones to go with Miss Cheryl. Lord, let's pray, friends. Lord, would you would you meet us this morning? Let us have an experience of meeting you, your living self by your spirit. Bless us, Lord. Thank you. So a, a different church I worked in in a different town several years ago, there was this, there was this wonderful dear older saint and her name was Sarah actually she didn't go to the to the church that I was working in she actually was someone who was part of another church but one day she was feeling down that life was getting to her she was worried about some stuff and she was driving by the church where I worked and she felt like the Lord said pop in there so she pulled into the parking lot and she came and she said to the receptionist I'd like to see a priest and the receptionist buzzed me and said you're the only one still here so I guess that's the only reason she chose me. I don't know. It wasn't exactly a vote of confidence, but that's what she said. So I'm sending her to you. I'm like, okay, great. So Sarah comes and we chat and we became friends. And I used to go and have lunch with Sarah. Wonderful, wonderful Southern, Southern lady. And she began to tell me her story. This is the point. Her story was that she grew up in the South in society. And so she was expected to be put together know, cleaned up, polished up, and growing up in society, there was kind of a, a, a noblesse oblige, you know, there's kind of this expectation that she would do all this stuff. She'd be a part of this thing and that board and this council and all the rest. And she just felt heavy all the time. She just, she just felt like, I, I don't have it in me. I'm exhausted. I, I don't measure up. And she just carried around the sense all the time of, of am I worthy? Am I loved? Am I making it? And she felt like she wasn't. So she came in that day. She talked with me. We became friends. And she began to tell me her story. Her story was one where she found freedom, if you will, ironically through the times when she finally began to say, I can't do it. There was a day she told me many years before when she'd been driving to some something where pull off in the in the woods or anything. She'd pull over to a parking spot. She said, Lord, I can't do it. She said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna face it. I'm gonna face the social stigma of not showing up. I'm gonna be more real. So she turns around, she goes home, she calls him up, she says, I just can't do it. I got nothing. Friends, today's the third Sunday of Lent. Now, Lent is a season in which Sort of in the popular mind, we tend to think this is about us, you know, doing more. It's about us getting ourselves cleaned up. It's about us, you know, showing ourselves or God or somebody that, you know, we're into this faith thing for real. The irony is that Lent is really kind of actually the opposite. It's really kind of actually about admitting that we can't do it. It's really more about knowing we have limits and exploring that and where those are and testing those and walking into those and trying to find ways to be more real and to respond to our limits and the fears that they give us and all the rest by actually walking in relationship with the God who loves us. Now, Lent doesn't show up in the Bible, but this morning Jesus has an interaction with someone that's really kind of a Lenten interaction in that sense. So Jesus is going along, he's doing his thing, 
And this guy pops up and he says to him, hey, teacher, what good thing must I do if I'm to possess the life of the age to come? So we've been playing with translations some lately. You might have noticed this. This is the N.T. Wright translation. It's pretty, it's, I mean, no surprise. It's pretty good, right? N.T. Wright, best, best living New Testament scholar in the English language. I don't, I don't think that's controversial to say. He's certainly in the top three, and I don't even know who the other two would be. So there you go, right? So it's good. But I, as much as I love him and it and this, I had to say, he kind of actually, he missed something right out the door. I'm reading this this morning thinking, why did we do this? Because actually the guy comes up and literally he says, what good thing must I do if I'm to possess eternal life? Right? This guy, if you sort of get the feel, the grammar of the moment and, and just sort of the grammar of the sentence and the feel of the moment, you know, this guy comes up. Last week we had a story about a guy who was powerful, all the rest, and he comes up and he falls down at Jesus' feet, right? And then there's a woman who's anonymous, who's unknown, who's got no social power or anything at all. She touches Jesus' robe from behind. None of that for this guy. He just like shows up, hey, don't know what you're doing, doesn't matter, here I am. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. I'll do it. Like I'll take it seriously. I'll knock it out, right? Confidence, control, he's got it. He, you know, he handles stuff. So tell me what I do to get eternal life. Bit transactional, right? Let me get this, make sure I've got my bases covered for the long haul. I got all kinds of my life bases covered. I want to get that ultimate base covered. How do I do that? So Jesus, lots of things going on with him. One of them is he noticed. What can we say? He noticed the dude didn't fall down. He noticed there's no, may I ask you a question, or excuse me, or do you have a moment, or anything else. It's just, bonk, here I am, right? I got my agenda for you. Jesus noticed that, right? Jesus also noticed that the ask was about eternal life. And Jesus can read people, so he gets it, right? He's like, okay, here we go. Now, it's interesting because Mark tells us that Jesus looks on this guy and loves him. So Jesus is going to have a confrontation with this guy. But he's not angry. But he's still real. And he still says some hard things. Jesus does this a lot. Amen? Jesus does a lot of not angry confrontations. Is there anybody here who likes doing that? I, I, I am terrible at that. I'm terrible. I can do confrontation, but I have to like load myself up. Right? I have to be like, oh dear, I need to go confront so-and-so. I have to think about it, pray about it, mull on it, work myself up, make an appointment, get in the car, go over there, have the confrontation, you know, and then go have a beer. I mean, or whatever it is, right? Like, I just want to get it. It's like, I can do it because it's important. It's necessary. It's important and necessary to to protect a, a church sometimes. But Jesus does it without having to get all loaded up for it. He does it without being angry at people. He does it for their own good as an act of love. I'm going to say, wow, he does this every single day, all the time. This is one of those moments. So all these things are happening. Jesus reads the moment. He's the best reader of moment that's ever been, and this moment's not even hard to read, right? 
So he does three things. So the first thing he does is, you know, what he all here. Let me give you the opportunity to, to show what's deep in you and what's real in you. So Jesus says back to him, why come to me with questions about what is good? Opportunity, Jesus can just read the guy's reaction, right? Why me? What have you seen? What have you heard? What do you think might be going on? What is it in me that you might respect? Is it real? Jesus, though, doesn't wait. He just sort of reads it. Second, then he says, there is one who is good. This is, this is basic Judaism 101, right? Hero Israel, the Lord your God, right? There's just one. There's one God, and the opportunity to realize, get eternal life. Cover my bases ultimately, so I'm still in control, and everything's okay for me. Jesus says, if you want to enter into life, he's changing the language. Entering into life doesn't start at death, Jesus is hinting. Entering into life is something that can begin right now. Entering into life might be more than just an ultimate base cover kind of thing. You guys remember the story where the lawyer comes to Jesus and he says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, you know, says back to him, love your neighbor. And the guy's like, oh, that's embarrassing. I learned that in Sunday school when I was this tall. So who's my neighbor, right? We've got to find something to show how smart I am. So let's, let's argue a nuance. Let's get a distinction on the table so we have something to wrestle with and you can see how smart I am. Same thing happens here, right? Jesus says, keep the commandments. If you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And Mr. In Control, right, Mr. Got It All Together is standing there in front of everybody going, gosh, maybe, maybe it wasn't such a good idea to like plop myself in front of this dude in front of everybody because that's embarrassing because I learned that in Sunday school when I was this tall, Right? So he says, well, I know. Which ones? He does the same thing. Which ones? Let's make a distinction we can then discuss. It's been said amongst philosophers that, you know, if if conversation dies at dinner, just make a distinction and then we can argue about it. Same thing. If I were a film director and if I were, you know, doing this scene, I'd tell my Jesus at this point to roll his eyes. I wouldn't just tell him to roll his eyes. I tell him to do the whole head roll thing, right? It isn't just, it's like, right? Which ones? Oh, come on. I mean, come on, really? Jesus doesn't do that. He does say, in essence, well, you know, the ones you've heard your whole life, the Ten Commandments, basically. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't tell lies under oath, respect your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. So, okay, telling you more about me than Jesus that I would have my actor do the whole head roll thing, right? All the time, there's something we don't see. All the time, there's something that's beyond us. All the time, there's some things that I don't even want to know yet or see yet or be adjusted to yet. And all the time, Jesus is asking me questions and inviting me to consider, inviting me in, inviting me to open up, inviting me to be real, loving me, not angry with me, but confronting me and being honest. It's a Lenten moment. All the time, Jesus is in this mode. 
this might be this might be the one thing I find most amazing about Jesus. It, 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 it is so hard for me. I'm not proud of this. I do a little confession. It's Lent. It's so hard for me to to just sow that seed and wait on it. I know it sounds contradictory. How can you not like to confront, but you also can't like just do that? I don't know if I ever figure that out. I'll like jump in pastoral skills by a hyper leap, but I'm trying. I'm working on it. Anyway, Jesus can do this. He can do this perfect thing where he asked the questions and he breaks in a little bit and he sows seeds and he knows just how much to do of what. And then he's, he doesn't know. He loves this guy, but he doesn't know. What's going to happen with the seeds he's going to sow? An active gentleness on Jesus' part. I mean, he's gentle, really, but he's active, right? We're going to make an active nonviolence. Jesus is like an active kind of gentleness here. He's, he's, it's yeast. He's putting stuff in. It's going to disturb. It's going to mess with folks. The guy then begins to get real. The guy says, well, I've done all that. What am I still short of? Literally, what do I still lack? He's he's now being honest. He's saying, you know, I've done all that, but I'm just still not there. I still don't feel connected. I'm still not sure that I'm loved. I'm still not sure that I'm worthy. I mean, I'm doing all that, but I'm just not living. I'm carrying all this stuff around. I'm worried about whether I'm making it or whether I'm doing enough. It's not working on the inside. So Jesus now knows we're in real space. Now we're in real space. So now we can get somewhere. So Jesus says to him, N.T. Wright, if you want to complete the set, very British, we tend to translate it as, if you want to be perfect, right? You've heard, if you're, if you're a church person, you've heard this before. How many times have you heard it as, if you want to be perfect, right? And how many times does the sermon then turn to whether or not we have to be perfect? Anybody heard those sermons, right? Waste of time for one simple reason. The Greek word is telos. If you put the word telos into Google, film it, the end. In other words, if you wish to be whole, if you want to live in what it means to be a human being, if you want to live into the authentic being that God knows and dreamed for you to be, if you want to get there, wherever that, you know, that ungrabbable there is, if you want to walk around in life feeling connected and knowing inside that you're alive and real and loved and worthy, if that's what you want, Jesus says. You say, what do I lack? What you lack is something qualitatively different from something you can do. It's a qualitative jump from something you can do. And if you want to get to that space, Then, Jesus says, three things. Go sell everything you own and give it to the poor. In other words, lose control. 
In other words, don't have it all sorted out. Don't just not murder, not lie, not this and not that, and give basic respect to your parents and your neighbor, but get active about relationship. Get active about love. Get active about seeing that other and their story and all the rest. Get outside yourself. Lose control a bit. Give me, you know, yourself. Go identify with the poor who don't have any control. I got 20 pictures or videos overnight on WhatsApp from Bishop Vincent. Anybody remember Bishop Vincent? Back in January, Bishop Vincent from Mozambique, he was here, he prayed for us. So they had, a, I don't know, a cyclone, I think, in Mozambique. Mozambique, east coast of Africa, southern east coast, um, Indian Ocean. It was a big storm. So he's 20, 20 pictures and videos overnight. Uh, so Simon's talking with ARDF. Are they going to be able to get some relief? Can we make a special donation to ARDF to help uh, the folks in Mozambique? People who know that they don't have control, right? Vincent's sending me pictures of these of these homes constructed as you know best they could be out of uh, tin, corrugated tin, stuff like that. And you get a hurricane, tree falls over, boom, done. And you've all seen these pictures, right? It's just another. Here's the latest one. There's so many people in the world who live without even the assumption that they could be in control that we carry around. And Jesus is saying, identify with them some. Spend some time with them. Find out that life is a gift. Find out that you didn't bring yourself into the world. You can't control so much. Jesus says, if you do that, then you'll have treasure in heaven. You'll get oriented to a different story. You'll get oriented beyond yourself. You'll get oriented to not just eternal life as in, I hope I don't have trouble when I die because I can't control that. But you'll get oriented to, oh my word, I can't wait for the new heaven and the new earth. I can't wait for the day when when God's develop an appetite for that. And then Jesus says, then come and follow me. Because now you'll be real enough to actually do that. To actually, you know, get in and follow me. Still a lot to learn and all the rest. Okay. Friends, here's what maybe we don't say often enough when we hit these moments where Jesus says these things. This is an invitation to life at a whole new level for this guy. Jesus is not inviting this guy into hardship. He's inviting this guy to be fully alive. He's inviting him into wholeness. If you wish to reach the telos, if you wish to be the person you were meant to be, if you wish to be a human being living a whole connected human being life, get in the story. Come with me. It's just better. It's what you were meant for. My friend Sarah, such a, such a sweet woman, dear woman. She's with the Lord now. Sarah, pray for me. Pray for us. Such a sweet woman. She had that day and she said, I'm done. She turned the car around. She went back. She started opening up to people and telling them that she couldn't do it. As she opened up her heart, the love of God, the spirit of God came into her heart in ways that she had never known before. Over time, she became transformed into this beautiful, lovely, gentle, encouraging woman. 
because she had all this love and all this life inside to share with others. And so it spilled out and she shared it, freely giving herself to the God who loves her, freely giving herself to people all around her. Friends, let's let's pray. Just invite you to uh, take a few minutes and just open up the way that this young guy opens up to Jesus. Maybe Jesus has a question for you. Maybe you, maybe the question you've been asking him is, uh, maybe, you know, it's real for you. It's about the anxiety you feel, but maybe it's not quite the question that Jesus wants to ask. So ask it. Be that guy. Come to him. Ask the question. He loves you. And then hear what he says back and and just talk with him a little bit. Take a few minutes.